Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the fourth. Don't you call in the. More importantly. The Musketeers at Walt Disney World. Tonight on the wonderful world of Disney. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Well, hey there, guys. It's another TV Talkaholics, another beginning of the month treat uh, made especially for our Tutti Fruity Patreon supporters. This is David Almeida, of course, getting ready to discuss the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World with my amazing co-host. Do you want to say hi? Okay, David, I um, am going to be altering my voice to remain anonymous during this um, episode. So as you can probably tell, I've already altered it through my computer and I don't think anybody's going to know it's me. Did so you, how did you alter your voice on your computer? The MacBook Air from 2003 is amazing. Okay. Do you want to maybe turn a couple more knobs just to just... I think I'm sense? good. I think I, I, I can barely recognize my own voice right now. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, sure. We uh, should say that the, um, that the views of the hosts of TV Talkaholics do not represent the, the Walt Disney Company in any way <laughs> or its affiliates. <laughs> okay. Because yes. I am a lover of this company, David, mm-hmm. as you know. And I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging a, a company that I love. Okay. So um, it, my, my normal co-host, Matthew Arder, is not with us this week. And uh, in his place is Mr. X. I love that. You can call me whatever you want, just so long as you call me. But... Um, <laughs> So um, my my guest co-host may or may not be an uh, an employee of a major theme park attraction. Let's just say I know a thing or two about the company that this movie was made for. Yes. <laughs> well, we we both do a little bit. So um, let me get some some sort of uh, like business stuff out of the way. Okay. Um, Mr. X and I are going to be discussing The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, which is a special that broadcast on the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday, November 20th, 1977. And it has recently come back into the uh, modern pantheon, the modern uh, uh, entertainment zeitgeist, as it were, because they just re-released it on... Disney Plus, the streaming service from the Walt Disney Company. And, uh, and, and if that isn't enough of a treat to watch the new Mickey Mouse Club cast, including our close personal friend, Lisa Welchel, mm-hmm. and our close personal acquaintance, Julie Pikarski, mm-hmm. before they were Facts of Life stars, this, for some weird reason, contains the original commercials. Yeah. Very and weird. It's very weird, and uh, they're kind of a little dull. Sadly, there wasn't anyone that like jumped out at me as like, "Oh my god, this is crazy!" But yeah, they're they're yeah. fun. They're a fun time capsule. Yes, 
they help they help with the nostalgia of the piece. Yeah, for the boring Sunday night crowd that thought 60 minutes was a little too much excitement uh, <laughs> and switched over and, and didn't want to watch the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries, which is what was on the ABC network at that time. Um, so we have this. By the way, um, I did a little bit of research. You know what else was on this night on, on network television? Little deep dive here. Uh, like I said, 60 Minutes was on CBS. ABC was the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries. But then after this special was over at eight o'clock on CBS, Celebrity Challenge of the Sexes with Elka Summer, Bruce Jenner, Farrah Fawcett, David Cassidy, Dick Van Patten, Susan St. James, Christy McNichol, and Robert Conrad, hosted by the wonderful Flip Wilson. Oh my God! Doesn't that sound amazing? <laughs> oh my God! And I looked on YouTube, I can find, uh, the, there's an odd clip, but I would love to see the whole thing, but oh my God. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crass, but Celebrity Challenge of the Sexes, um, Caitlyn Jenner was one of the competitors back when she was known as Bruce Jenner and just saying um, interesting things with hindsight, huh? Oh, is there? <laughs> Challenge of the Sexes. It's the idea of it's men versus women. Sure. And the idea is Caitlyn is, uh, uh, identifies as a woman even though in her, okay, we'll talk about that later. All right. You don't hear from Bruce Jenner very much anymore. <laughs> I wonder why that is. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> um, so in general, before we start talking about some of the other nitty, nitty gritty nitpicky stuff, um, the, the thing that not only the Lisa Welchel thing and the connection of the facts of life, the thing that also gives us this deep connection to it is the fact that it takes place in Walt Disney World, right here in Orlando, our hometown, at uh, our place of employment. And it is so weird to see it in, in its infancy like this. And I am um, a history lover and a Disney lover. And when I can combine those two things, the nerdgasm that happens, because I was a tour guide at Walt Disney World for 12 years. Wow. So I know that park and mm -hmm. the details of that park like the back of my hand, like nomenclature, all these things that we, when you're in tour guide at Walt Disney World, um, you had to be in guest relations at the time. And to mm -hmm. be in guest relations, you have to know everything, including every single ticket Walt Disney World has ever sold since 1971. Whew. Dude, we had a book of old ticket stock that if somebody would bring in a ticket, we'd have to look it up and see what the equivalent was because the tickets never expire. Oh, that's right. So people would bring like a 1981 All-American military three-day special ticket. And you're like, that, did, that was a, a promotion during the summer of 1981. And it's and 1997 now. now. Yeah, <laughs> and I, now I've got to figure out what the equivalent is and change revenue. So I loved this for the history of the park and 
the attractions and the costumes, mm-hmm. and I have questions. So okay, um, and <laughs> let's let's continue to personalize this, Mister okay. X. And uh, in what year did you first come to Walt Disney World? <laughs> oh. Are you okay? <laughs> To Walt Disney World, I thought, well, we are getting very personal. Um, (laughs) 1996. Oh, wow. That's I had never been in the Magic Kingdom before I worked there. Oh, my gosh. My first step inside the Magic Kingdom. um, And I'm one of the few people, I think, on the planet that can say I have never paid to get into a Disney theme park. Wow. <laughs> I cannot say that, sadly. There were... didn't, work, didn't step a foot in Florida before I worked here. That is insane. Mm-hmm. My first time here was in February of 1978. So okay. right after this, just a few months after this broadcast. Who knows? Maybe this was the broadcast where my parents went, fuck, if the wonderful world of Disney kids are going, we're going. If that's the case, we have things to talk about because <laughs> of how certain things are represented in this special. <laughs> Again, okay, go ahead. We have shit to talk about. So, um, yeah, and I was nine at the time. So in 1978, it's like... Where did you stay? Well, we stayed at a contemporary, right there. Uh, how did you do it back then? Was it like, how long did you stay? Was it... Two days in the park, one day in the park. How did you, you know how people now, they've got to really plan every minute of their stay. But back then it was like there was the one park. There was the one park and we did do hoop-dee-doo, which is over at uh, um, Fort Wilderness. Right. And we did that. And and those were the days when you would rent a car and you would drive into downtown Orlando to spend an evening hanging around uh, Church Street Station, going to Rosie O'Grady's. Really in the 70s? In the okay. 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. We, we did that. Absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, so this is, for, for those who don't realize what we're talking about, everyone thinks of Walt Disney World as this big, major, massive resort. It was, it only opened in 1971. And as of this special, and as of my first visit, all that was here was Magic Kingdom, Contemporary, Polynesian Resort. We did do the Luau. Uh, Fort Wilderness and uh, and River Country had just opened, and yeah, we didn't and even go what, there. What was called the Golf Resort at the time. Yeah, we didn't go there. But I feel like we spent a week here, and uh, you know, we went to the park, and the park was very chill. It, they still had the A B C D E tickets, so you still had to pay the little. You paid a little tiny bit of money to get in, but then you had to buy the books of the tickets. And the idea of the E ticket ride was your Space Mountains, your um, what else would, would be an e-ticket ride at the Magic Kingdom that would have uh, been around in 77? Haunted Mansion. Haunted oh, Haunted Mansion, Mansion. Was one. Um, yeah. Space Mountain was one. Um, the yeah. Sky and, Ride. Um, not, not the Sky Ride, but the um, yeah, Astro yeah. Orbiter. Astro oh, Orbiter. the Astro Orbiter. Sure, up in Tomorrowland. Yeah. Sure. That was an e-ticket. Um, yeah. But the thing is, so, yeah, you know, it was Jungle much more... Cruise. Jungle Cruise was an E-ticket. Was it? Okay, that makes sense too, yeah. I know Pirates was a D-ticket. Because we had to know all of that too, because people would bring up, people love to do this to us, David. They'd bring up an A through E-ticket book and they would throw it at us and be like, bet you don't see those every day. We see see them every day. Uh, Yes. (laughs) 
what always blew people away was if they brought me a full A through E ticket book with the admission ticket attached, that was the rarity, the admission ticket being attached. Um, we would take it and give them a one day, one park ticket. Wow. So talk about an investment. Cause those things were like seven bucks. Oh God. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were. Yeah. Um, so, and then at that time getting a $75 one day pick ticket. But the worst part is, if one thing was ripped out of it, it became face value. Oh. So I could give them 10 cents for every A ticket <laughs> in there, 20 cents for every B ticket. And I, we would tell them, this is worth more to you as in memories than it is to us. So in cash. Yeah, we don't need them. We've yeah. got plenty. We saved them. Wow. So there are going to be a lot of those little outbursts. Okay. Like tour guide outbursts and like what we had to know and do and why things are wrong. (laughs) Well, if this podcast turns into being hours long, you know what? This is for the Tutti Fruities and you guys pay extra money for this. And if you do not love Walt Disney World, you're going to hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, uh, but the thing is, um, I work for the most part, my full-time work has been at Disney's Hollywood studios. Uh, Mr. X here works at the actual magic kingdom. Yes. So, uh, you, you have much more valuable input to give there than I do. And that's where I was based in guest relations. Mm-hmm. And I was a magic kingdom tour guide. We give a tour called keys to the kingdom, which takes you into the utilidor and like talks about the, theming of like the tiniest little things so mm-hmm. and people love it oh yeah oh sure yes so uh let's talk about who wrote and directed this baby this, this masterpiece this who whom whom do we have to consider responsible well it was directed by john tracy john tracy had previously directed 130 episodes of the electric company which was my jam I didn't think there was a director. <laughs> ah! uh, glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, he did do four episodes of the new Mickey Mouse Club, and I think they thought, okay, four episodes. He gets it. He, he gets us and how, uh, how this works. So, uh, uh, okay. Not, not a perfectionist. Let's just <laughs> say that. Bless his heart. But after this special, he would go on to do... Uh, little one-offs here and there, but a ton of shows. Fish, Angie, Bosom Buddies, Laverne and Shirley, Joni Loves Chachi, Newhart, Full House, Step by Step, Boy Meets World, Family Matters, and 134 episodes of Growing Pains between 85 and 91. Oh, so many pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, there were only 167 episodes of Growing Pains. So he did all but 30. That's a big deal for one director to do that much of a series. Especially that series. (laughs) His most recent credit was in 2006. I imagine he's retired because in 1977, I was, like I say, I was nine uh, when this broadcast. So assuming he was an adult, I'm, I'm 51 now. So that means he's in his early one hundreds. So uh, he's very likely retired. Uh, but now let's talk about the writers. This was written by the, they are credited as Ted Anasty, David Talisman and Tom Adair. 
Uh, Ted Anasty and David Talisman, they wrote some stuff together, including some new Mickey Mouse clubs. Anasty also did some DuckTales, the TV series, Little Mermaid, Timon and Pumbaa. He's been story editor on those other kids series. So he's kind of on the inside of the Disney TV thing and remained there as uh, the Disney Channel started making series in the 80s. David Talisman doesn't really have many other credits after this, Ooh. so he must have gotten out of the biz or something. And <laughs> With his tail between his legs. <laughs> and then the Tom Adair, he has many writing credits, but it looks like he's a songwriter primarily. So I think he is the one responsible for the original music in this Ooh. episode. And if if you when we heard that music i know just like me you said wow that is original yeah he wrote that <laughs> and then lastly before we get going here fyi the og mickey mouse club the original black and white annette funicello that ran from 1955 to 1959 and uh ran 184 episodes daily from 5 to 6 p.m. And here's the funny thing. It got canceled because Disney couldn't reach an agreement with ABC. Right. <laughs> and they filed a lawsuit and it was all this rigmarole. <laughs> Cut to <laughs> 1990 whatever when it's like, we own you now. And it then... Was 97. 97? Mm-hmm. It was... Oh, I was thinking it was earlier than that. Wow. Um, and then uh, the new Mickey Mouse Club... That ran for only 14 sad episodes from 1977 to 78, but it didn't die before it gave us this magnificent special. (laughs) And then the reboot again from 1989 to 94 was the all new Mickey Mouse Club, which ran for 106 episodes and gave birth to the careers of of who, Mr. X? Um, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, um, Justin Timberlake, um, the other one from NSYNC. Um, J.C. Chazay. I believe that's the name he gives maitre d's. I'm the other one from NSYNC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Kerry Russell, Ryan Gosling, tons yes. of oh. young talent uh, was, was started at the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. And did they film that here? They absolutely did. Thank you for asking, David, at the Disney Hollywood Studios, also known as the kiss of death for anything that filmed there. (laughs) Uh, We only came down here from Massachusetts a handful of times in my life. But we came down, uh, we came down, I guess it was in 82. It had to be right after Epcot opened Mm -hmm. because... When we came here, I remember they were celebrating the tencennial of the resort as opposed to centennial. It's the tencennial because it was 10 years, right. which was 81, assuming 81 into 82. They'll stretch mm-hmm. that shit out. So I'm like, Epcot opened in 82. It had to have just opened. It opened October 1st, 1982. Yeah. Well, and, and by all accounts, it wasn't like it was a mob scene. No, because they learned from Disneyland. They knew how to, we know how to open a theme park now. And it was just not that popular though. People were also like, what the fuck? Where's Mr. Toad? Where's Fairy Poppins? And it took them a while to kind of get the concept across. And if you want want a good time, look up the opening of Epcot with starring Drew Barrymore and um, who's that? Danny Kaye. 
Oh, there, there's a dream team. Wow. That's on YouTube. Yeah. But I was going to say, then the next time we came was right after Hollywood Studios opened. So it had to have been in Mr. X. Yeah. When did Hollywood Studios, then Disney MGM Studios open? May of 89. I knew you'd know it. <laughs> but uh, so we came at some point shortly after it opened and in the back lot tour. Yes. Uh, Which was my first job. Ah. Uh, part of the Backlot Tour was video hosted by the kids from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club mm -hmm. uh, and saying that it filmed there. And you'd also go through the set for it as well as Star yes. Search. And then Clarissa later explains it all. And that because of what happened, when you went there, the Backlot Tour or the Backstage Studio Tour at the time was like this two-hour event. Oh, oh, it was massive you got off the shuttle portion and you followed roger rabbit's footprints to the rest of the tour that went through the sound stages eventually they broke them up because people were like how do you get out of this tour <laughs> yes. uh, so i remember distinctly the fact that that the, the whole new mickey mouse club that was filmed right here in orlando and uh, your joke the kiss of death that is because the intent to build a working studio that could also be visited by the guests while things were in progress, that just never materialized. It was never worth it for production companies to bring their whole operation down here. And it was cool for a time, there was this sort of buzz that we were gonna be kind of this Hollywood West thing, that like this was elevating Central Florida to the next level as far as being a, a place where movies are actually made, not just a vacation destination. And the last thing, uh, as we quickly go through the history, is Club Mickey Mouse, which was a two, which was a 2017 attempt to reboot it, more of a streaming behind-the-scenes reality show, and it did not last very long, according to Wikipedia. That's where all my sources are: is Wikipedia. But more important than anything in the whole wide world, we have two of the Mickey Mouse uh, Club cast members, Lisa Welchel and Julie Pikarski, who yes. are going to be in the show as we describe it tonight, and who will go on to do the Facts of Life. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. Facts of Life adjacent, you are welcome. <laughs> now, where do we want to start? How do we even want to begin? Well, we should say, before we get too far into this, that... Yeah, because I'm afraid we're going to get too far into it right yeah, now. Yeah, one of the ahead. things that um, I love about Disney Plus is, it said, this program is presented as originally aired. It may contain outdated cultural depictions. <laughs> are you I, saying that there are outdated cultural references in this, Matthew? <laughs> I didn't find any, so no. I don't know why that was on there, but it was on there. Um, yeah, that is, that is weird, because no, you, you would think there would be. With this, um, with this cast, which looks like a Benetton ad before Benetton was a thing in the 80s, God bless them. The one thing we cannot say about this is, ugh, typical 70s, all white kids, yeah. no you can tell they were very deliberate in arranging 
all shades of brown and copper and and in a good way that mm-hmm. is wonderful and refreshing and not stereotypically like it, they were just no. all kids no 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 there was none of that stuff yet so um it's, it's just so weird that next year is the 50th anniversary of the resort mm-hmm. and yet in this special the park is six years old mm-hmm. it's only been around for six years Mm-hmm. It uh, that blows my mind. I was here for the 25th anniversary. That blows oh. my mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, when the castle was pink. <laughs> oh, oh, the birthday cake. Uh huh. Oh my God, what a misstep! If you don't know what we're talking about, look up um, Walt Disney World birthday castle, and you will see and Oof. be appalled. So, um, I think we're ready to get started, aren't we? I think so. Okay. So, I, I mean, typical Walt Disney World opening. Um, and I have to say, I did choke up a little bit hearing the music and everything. Mm-hmm. I choked up several times during this um, just because I missed my job. And they're filming mm-hmm. it at my park. <clears throat> so seeing Main Street, which has not changed one bit in 50 years. Um, but like they do like the overall shots of like the overture and everything. And they establish that it's the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney world. Yeah. You see a shot of the topiaries on yeah. the grass. And you see the, the Dumbo model, ride, the contemporary, you see mm-hmm. all the monorails, yeah, space mountain and all the, all the visual icons. I will have to say not a lot of just the castle. There really wasn't a lot of Cinderella's mm-hmm. castle in this was there. Nope. Interesting. Even when they were performing in front of it. Yeah. (laughs) I have a lot of comments about how things were filmed back then as opposed to how they're filmed now by the company. Oh, yeah? Like, there are times, like, nowadays, they would never film at Pirates of the Caribbean without having the Pirates of the Caribbean sign visible. Oh, yes. So people know where they are. Um, There were times I had to do research to figure out where these people were. Oh, yeah? Because they're not making it clear where like they didn't our advertising team wasn't on board with the TV production because people need to remember in 77 Walt Disney pictures and Walt Disney company was in the crapper. Yeah. We were not doing well. This was before Eisner came in and saved the company. Yeah. Um, This was apple dumpling gang, freaky Friday, live action. Yeah. And um, in charge of the company at the time was Ron Miller, who was Walt's son-in-law. (laughs) <laughs> so people thought, oh, well, he's Walt's son-in-law. That makes him the right to heir to the throne. No, it didn't. So we were in the dumper. Mm-hmm. So, and for reasons like this, our advertising team wasn't on board with the film crew. And, you know, the, we didn't have quite the synergy that we have now and the amount of producers involved to, to make this. Like, if you watch the Walt Disney World Christmas Parade, it is a two and a half hour commercial. Oh, God, yes. Yeah a very, very meticulously put together shots, even mm-hmm. though the camera shots last less than one, less than one second. Yeah. Um, and you get a headache watching it. They're <laughs> meticulously put together. Uh, another good example of that, where nowadays, like you said, synergy was the thing. There would always be names. Uh, Joanne Worley at one point turns to Ronnie Shell and says, why don't we go on the sky ride? And it's like there would have been an executive there that said, um, it's called the Walt Disney World Skyway. Yep. If, if you could say the TM afterwards, 
and the, uh, actually, if you could say a registered trademark of Walt Disney Company and its affiliates incorporated, that would be great. Yeah. Like there's no way a person in an actual Disney special in Walt Disney World, and notice we're saying Walt Disney World, it is not right. Disney World, it is right. Walt Disney World. The correct uh, nomenclature, that's yeah. what we call it. Yeah, and it's the chips I, in our brains that they installed that make us say it that way. So, and that honestly, from a corporate standpoint, that we, we're not we're not dissing them for that. The fact is, Disney owns and has proprietary ownership of so many things that so much thought has been put into what they are named. They have a right to say, "Call it the thing we named it." It right. went through forty-seven committees and 12 different focus groups. So right. it's, it's, it's quite, quite a lot, quite a lot. Yes. So, um, it's on guest relations. It's <laughs> when you get into guest relations, it's part of your checkout is the whole section on the test about nomenclature. I believe it. I fucking believe it, man. Okay. So, um, so here's the thing. When you were saying it gave you such sweet, happy memories mm-hmm. when the show first started, I thought it was because it begins actually with a shake and bake commercial followed by Gaines Burgers. <laughs> Those are the two commercials yeah. that precede the actual beginning of the special. Yeah. I'd forgotten about Pete the Butcher. That was a I regular did. character for shake and bake. What's that? I, did, I didn't recognize any of the commercials. Uh-huh. Well, you're um, far, far too young. We all know that. But um, I loved um, the Gaines Burgers puppy food. Mm-hmm. They're like, we just got our dog back from a weekend where she could have puppies. <laughs> like, we just picked our dog up from a breeder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My dog's been getting banged all weekend, so we're giving her <laughs> some Gaines Burgers. <laughs> Basically what that commercial said. Do you know what Gaines Burgers are? It's a dog food. <laughs> right. But did it, I don't know if they even showed the product. It was, it was in a plastic wrapper in the shape of a hamburger and was made to look like ground beef, you know, the, the, the ground beef stringy consistency. It's like little Chester thinks he's having a hamburger. <laughs> Does he? Does he? Does yeah. he? Well, it's a hamburger made out of yak intestines. <laughs> so we begin the show with this montage, and all the kids are on the monorail. And what are they singing? Oh, my God. <laughs> some rendition of zippity doo With some full-on scatting and whistling and beat up up papas and And it's bad enough that they are lip syncing terribly, <laughs> but to lip sync a whistle. Oh, just, I want to know, like, and I, I have this question throughout the whole show. What director thinks that they're, they were being natural at yeah. all. Like they're, they didn't choreograph who they were going to look at and smile and nod and look so happy to be talking to and singing in front of, like face to face. It just, it looks so unnatural. And there's something out. also about 12 kids clumped together on one side of a monorail. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I get it. It's a tight space. You got to get the film crew in there and cameras were bigger back then. 
But part of me is like, you couldn't have done something to arrange them and then maybe do some hand choreography to sort of kind of tie it all together and give you a sense that there is some organization and thought put into this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. So then they arrive at the Contemporary Resort because the Contemporary Resort, ladies and gentlemen, is right along the monorail. You can take the monorail directly from the Magic Kingdom to the Polynesian Resort or Disney's Polynesian Resort and then to Disney's Contemporary Resort uh, and other hotels that have not yet been built in 1977. Uh, so they get off of the monorail and we... The old school monorail. Old school. Now, what makes it old school versus now? Is there um, any- well, we're on like the Mark 8 version. This is like the Mark 2 version. Oh, okay. Like the doors open, like actual doors instead of sliding glass doors that oh. they are now. Um, okay. Like these doors actually close and stay closed. Um, <laughs> okay. Good to know. It's cool to see an old monorail. Mm-hmm. We have Ronnie Shell playing the tour manager slash chaperone slash uh, obligatory adult who does little to nothing. Yeah. And he's that one of those actors where you're like, oh, him, what has he been in? I have no idea. <laughs> I believe Gomer Pyle was his biggest claim to fame. Was yeah. He was a regular on Gomer Pyle. And he would later do a lot of voiceover work. That was more his, his jam later. He also is in the episode of the Golden Girls where Blanche tries to sell her car and he offers to buy Blanche's car and oh. she's only selling it to meet men. Oh, she's oh. nice. Um, so we have a, a little awful contrived physical bit with the blonde girl, the blondest of the blonde girls, Kelly, who is clearly set up to be the hilariously clumsy one. Yeah. And she is one of those actresses where everything she says is in the lower part of her voice and there's not really much energy to what she says. Oh no, the tennis racket has a mind of its own. And it, it's, uh, yeah. the, the unnaturalness of, of the delivery is, is really jarring. Well, and I love the minute they get off the monorail, they're talking about how they, they're doing this performance or whatever but it's also a vacation they get off the monorail and they go i can't wait to get to the tennis courts you are at walt disney world (laughs) you can play tennis at home you can't wait to get to the tennis court (laughs) all right Mm -hmm. but in fact they don't go straight to the tennis court as they're disembarking first place they are going to go river country yes and this was new. This only opened in 1976. Mm-hmm. And River Country was at, at one time the water park at the Walt Disney World Resort. It would later be overtaken by Typhoon Lagoon, Blazer Beach. And, and Amoebas. Amoeba. <laughs> Is that why it closed? Is because of... It had the first of its kind water filtration um, system. Uh-huh. that would use the water from the natural lake that it mm-hmm. was on and filter it and put it into their lagoon, not the swimming pools, but the lagoon. Mm-hmm. So people felt like 
and it looked like they were swimming in a natural swimming hole in Florida. And there was unmanageable <laughs> amoeba in Bay Lake oh. because it is a lake in Florida. Yeah, which is a swamp. All of Walt Disney World was yeah. swampland before they... want to swim in that yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway. So it closed in what, 2001? Um, River Country closed. It was a seasonal operation anyway. It closed in November of 2001, like it always said every year. Um, a lot of people thought it closed because of September 11th, and which may or may not be true, but it closed... Mm-hmm for the season in 2001 and it didn't reopen the next year. And then in 2005, they announced that it wouldn't be reopening at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at the moment, is it, is it already being excavated, but they had announced there were plans to build a new hotel, partial hotel, partial Disney vacation club, uh, vacation ownership places over there. So um, that is going to be a new resort at some point. It's kind of over by Fort Wilderness. Yeah, it was the Fort, it was basically Fort Wilderness's pool. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. So we don't just go to river country though, Matthew, do we? Oh my God. We spend a good chunk of time singing an original composition, singing about how fun it is to go to river country. It was a cute song. I'll give mm-hmm. them that. It was catchy. But I didn't realize that um, River Country was complete and utter anarchy. Oh. <laughs> there are people like on top of each other. There's like a lazy river with inner tubes and strangers bumping into each other. And <laughs> I. <sighs> that was the early days of water parks when they. Like they were sending people down a slide three at a time, um, <laughs> seven in a tube. Yeah, backwards. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and then like, they had these swing, like rope things that you could swing out on, and it's just like yeah, swing oh. out and land in the river. It's like okay, that's not yeah. a hazard. No, in a, in a pool full of people, you're just <laughs> swinging out and hoping Drop. you don't land on somebody, and it just amazed me <laughs> because again. Nowadays, and it looked like these were actual guests. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. nowadays at Walt Disney World, when there's filming, there are no guests involved. No, it's, it's cut off. Up. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, are, we have blocked off this area. Nobody's going to walk behind the shot. Mm-hmm. Like accidentally, you can't get into this production area. This looked like it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was... Be a yeah, part to be in ops operations there to try oh, to do that. Yes, uh, but if you're interested on on YouTube, a lot of urban adventurers will go on. Um, will go to River Country or Discovery Island, which is abandoned, and mm-hmm. film and put videos up. And it really is like life after people. Like oh yeah, it's it should they should film a post apocalyptic movie yeah. there. They and should really taken over and also like you see like they go into management offices where like things have fallen off the walls and it's like awards, plaque awards that say manager of the year, like being overtaken. It's so effing creepy. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll have to look but, at some of those. I've yeah. seen still photos. I've never seen a video though. Oh, it's creepy. But yeah, they decided not to reopen it and they just abandoned it yep. until now with the plans to build this new hotel, as I said. So uh, then from there we go to, 
the game room, I believe it's the arcade game room in the basement of the Contemporary. Am I correct? Corral, well, the first floor of the Contemporary. Uh, okay, for, uh, that's right. We don't have basements in Florida. It just feels um, like a basement. Which, again, made me interested because Pac-Man didn't come out until 1980. What video games were in an arcade other than <laughs> pinball and skee-ball? Skee-ball and pinball. That was, yeah. Was that it? I mean, there were home computer video games. Like, I think Pong existed. Like, there were... There were some quote-unquote... Pong quote, came out in like 1978 or something. Did it? Pong came out in 72, Breakout in 76, Tank yeah. in 74. But yeah. like the contemporary is supposed to be one of those resorts where it's like, oh, we're hip and young and, and new and... Cutting is, edge of technology, yeah. Yeah, and here's some pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Walt Disney World where you can play tennis and pinball. <laughs> This is so far getting the Almeida family up in Massachusetts very excited about their trip. Oh, you know it because, Matthew, when I came in February of 1978, there was a caricature artist smack dab in the middle of this room. I still have the caricatures that we had done of each member of our family. And I have from that trip one photograph of myself on the balcony of the uh, contemporary, and you can't even tell where I am. Like literally all the photos over the years that got shoved into shoe boxes in the back of drawers, by the time I got my hands on them as an adult to try and organize them, there is no record of my ever coming here in 1978. And that makes me so sad, but I do have that fucking caricature. <laughs> That is precious. Yeah. And we I was, remember, that? I was a kid who drawed. I was a drawer. Yeah. I was an artisty kid. That was my thing. More than performance or anything else, it was, oh, David, David is the artistic. It probably didn't even dawn on you or it made you think, this person is getting paid. It is their job to do this. And I could do, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like it didn't, it wouldn't have dawned on me. Like I love to draw. This guy loves to draw. I could do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. That would never have dawned on me. Being yeah. from Again, at nine, you're not really thinking about future no. careers. At I least I wasn't. I'm <laughs> still not really. Uh, so then within this scene, missed opportunity. Major, major missed opportunity. This is the point when Mr. Brown hands out the passes to the kids that give them admission to the parks. So he just stands there with the kids in the club and he's like, oh, here, uh, Rutabaga, Frida, Sam, Billy Bob, dumbass, big tits. And they're completely unchoreographed as to where they are. Yeah. It's like they did this in one take. He had no idea whose name was next. Yeah. And again, like you said, for me, missed opportunity was at no point did these kids get off the monorail and go, I can't wait to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. I can't wait to go on Space Mountain. I, you know, none of them, have, yeah. he's handing out these tickets and these kids are acting like he's giving them tickets to the train to Auschwitz. <laughs> they are not excited. These are parts to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and you are the Mouseketeers. <laughs> you are the Mouseketeers and we're handing you tickets to the Magic Kingdom. Look like, like we're okay. a bag of herpes. <laughs> Well, then the other thing I was going to say, the missed opportunity was, um, what, what are the Mouseketeers known for? The roll call. 
Yeah, so he I could have made them stand in line and gone down the line and said, okay, here you go. This is yours. And this is Lisa. And yeah. this is Julie. And this is uh, Molly. And, you know, he could have had a moment where visually we could have been introduced and maybe connected with one or two of these kids. Yeah. Uh, well, oh and my that's God. my question. Because I did think that. I was like, is this their version of the roll call? Because it's very different than Cubby, Annette. Yeah, Annette. It's <laughs> like, Lisa, where are you? Uh, and then I'm they, here behind you. <laughs> Thanks. And then they edited in the, the camera shot where he hits the girl in the face. Yeah, he, he turned. Yeah, it was the, the, the girl who's the clumsy one. And yeah. uh, her name is... Kelly. Kelly is the extra blondie blonde one that is also the clumsy one with the tennis racket. Yeah, he turns and accidentally hits her and she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but yeah, clearly one take, this was one take tempo. Okay, let's go. Again, without any kind of rehearsal apparently or script. <laughs> yeah, and but, so uh, yes, so the, the next thing we have is uh, the next scene is we're on the dock by the pool at the Contemporary Resort. Yes. And they are all in their outfits. I don't know, are they supposed to be rehearsing? Is that something we never see them do in this special, by the by? I don't think anybody ever saw them rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 it's one of the only things that was realistic was that they had food prepared and set up for them. And that is exactly what would happen. Like they'd be in a roped off area with their own food. That's about the only thing That's real. <laughs> in this whole thing. But this is where I got pissed off because Lisa takes a picture um, of the salad and says, well, I can't eat it. I'm on a diet. How dare you? She is 13 and she is gorgeous. And she is rail thin. Why? <sighs> Why was the writing like that? Why? Why was there anything to do with a 13-year-old girl talking about being on a diet? Fuck I you. can't even eat salad. Yeah. Like, come on. So basically, she's starving herself. Yeah, that's Thank terrible. You. Um, but then Lisa does have the camera, and so she says, everybody stand all together, mm -hmm. and let's take a picture of the group, and they're in their costumes. Well, they're standing with their back to the water. What inevitably happens? They all fall into the water. And there ends up being some horseplay, and they fall in the water, and they're all kind of giggling and ha 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 and screaming and laughing. It sounds like they're having fun, doesn't it? Well, I, and it, I couldn't tell if um, they were pushing each other into the water because there's about eight minutes of them unedited, fake laughing, and and dancing around and then some of them jumping purposely into the water. Yep. And, and like Lisa actually jumps into the water. You see her jump in and it just, again, the editing, they were like, we need eight minutes of you laughing really hard, everybody. So I want you child actors to fake laugh for me for eight minutes. And but then in the next scene, yes. we're at the lobby of the contemporary where Mr. Brown uh, meets Joanne Worley. We're going to talk about her in a second. But the sort of punchline of this scene before we go to the commercial is that she is a reporter for a magazine reporting on the kids. And her question to him is like, okay, so I'm looking for a big scoop. 
Yeah. And she says, the kids, do they all get along? And he's like, of course they get along. They're just like siblings. They love each other. And the, all the kids come running in, soaking wet, making the most god-awful cacophony of screaming, pretending to be mad at each other, allegedly because they're mad that they all pushed each other into the water? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually sent our Mouseketeers into a natural lake in Florida. <laughs> Number one. And they went underwater. <laughs> I'd like that now. Their heads did go underwater. Their ears that's are a, full of parasites, yes. That's the thing we in Florida know. If you go underwater, you need a tetanus shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and Joanne immediately pulls out her camera. She refers to this. This could be the story of the year. Yeah. For Everglades <laughs> magazine. Um, ladies and gentlemen... Let the record show, Your Honor, the Everglades are in South Florida. They are quite a bit not near us, not even close. And from where we are, that's about a five-hour drive. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Miami is four hours away. And, uh, yeah. It's even farther down than Miami. Yeah. Um, Real quick, um, back to where they were out there, before they jump in the water, another... um, they're getting all signed. They're getting all lined up for the for a photo. Lisa wants to take a group photo of them on the dock, and they all line up again, completely unchoreographed, and mm-hmm. nobody has blocking. Mm-hmm. Foster block. Um, but the mo uh, and the moment she's going to take the picture, we hear paging Mr. Brown, paging Mr. Brown. We don't page at Walt Disney World, <laughs> and also, where is this paging system like? That goes all over the property when the entire resort and the pool. Yes. So, and second of all, he leaves like he's just been called to war. Like, (laughs) like they can't be like, oh, can you wait a second? Let me snap this photo. Yeah. Paging Mr. Brown. Gotta go. Yeah. It's like we were just gonna take a picture. Like you gotta, you gotta like this second. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And, you know, his leaving them, that's perfectly on brand because the kids spend an alarming amount of this special unsupervised. Yes. And yes, they do. Uh, yes. But we have, uh, let's talk about Joanne Worley. The wonderful. The character, The Wonderful, best known for being the original Laugh In cast. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Disney aficionados will know that she was the voice of Madame de la Grande Bouche, the armoire, in the original 1991 animated Beauty and the Beast. And she... Uh, a 30-year-old movie, Beauty and the 30, Beast. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> All I remember is she had the lines of when she's trying to help Belle pick a dress, and she has that, oh, well, here we are. She kind of does that sing-songy thing. And I went, God, that almost sounds like Joanne Worley. That would be weird. And then in the big furniture fighting back scene, when they take back the damn castle, and she jumps off of the balcony, <laughs> and they let her do her signature. Oh, I, I lost my shit. I was so happy. Anyway. She's great. They do make a bit out of him when the, later on, uh, spoiler alert, she's going to try to get a little bit lovey-dovey with Mr. Brown, with yeah. the 
the male character there. And one of the things is going to be the whole, you know, well, Ms. Osborne, and she's like, oh, call me Colleen. And they make a running bit out of him referring to her and pronouncing her name Colleen. Yeah. And her correcting it to Colleen. I will go on record saying at this point in the beginning scene when we're introduced to her, she introduces herself as Colleen Osborne. Yeah. Which I think is a Canadian thing, isn't it? Isn't that how Canadians... I don't know, but I just didn't see why that was the running joke they went with. Uh, Yeah. That was the best you could come up with, really? When it's plenty, if that's what you're going to do, but it's plenty just to have the running joke be, he's not interested and uncomfortable when she puts the moves on him. Mm-hmm. That's all the joke you need. She's afraid she's going to fuck up his comb over. It's like that thing. Talk about uh, Walt Disney was uh, an amazing imagineer of innovation. That comb over of his, how fluffed up and positioned and shellacked it was. That, I think that Space Mountain's engineering rivals only that of his comb over. Uh, but it was so 70s, my God. So the the going to commercial thing is that she is there, this member of the press, and she witnesses the kids not getting along because of this contrived falling into the water thing. And rips out her camera, takes it out like like she's witnessing the royal family having a fight in the middle of the contemporary resort. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then we go to commercial break. Yes. And the commercials, there are three commercials. One for a Tonka <laughs> custom van toy van. Yep. It, it is doesn't a come with anything. It's just a toy van. Yeah. You can put an action figure behind the driver's seat, but it doesn't say who. It's just, uh, yeah, we're yeah. not providing it. And uh, it's, a, it's one of those brown 1970s mm. with the detailing. It's got a sunroof. Uh, it has a sunset painting on the side. All I can say is at least the door on the side has a window. The rest of it does not. It was very hip and chic in 1977. I believe by 2020 standards, what would you call that? A child molester's van. Um, I knew I'm, that's what you were going to say because I was, <laughs> that's what was I was thinking. The commercial. I was like, I hope they have shag carpeting up the walls on the inside <laughs> of that van. Oh, <laughs> look, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo can fit in the back. <laughs> oh, gross. Yikes. And the second commercial is a meow mix commercial where a cat oh. turns on a radio and then picks up the phone, dials the phone to meow into it, which was a request made to the... Remember when we could call radio stations and make requests? Remember when it was the only way to hear your favorite song? <laughs> it's true. If you didn't want to buy the record, if you were a cheap bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, the Canon G3 camera. Also, though, the with the cat one, it was just, it was so perfectly 1977. Even the cat looked derpy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the cat was a little cross-eyed. Yes, like, yes. At the end. And I did love hearing meow, 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 meow. Mm-hmm. I just, I love a good jingle. It's a classic. <laughs> And then we had the Canon G3 camera um, trying to tout that the lens was really fantastic, amazing. And the slogan, a great picture starts with a great lens. Yeah. And 
I feel like it was very, and I did that. Is has it gone out of style that type of commercial where the camera is the fourth wall and like has to tell the person like, oh are yeah, you using, are you using a Kodak camera? And they look at the camera like, yes. It's like that Gilda Radner bit where he's like, why don't you take that soup and shove it up your nose? <laughs> yes, yeah, that was a very common commercial trope. And this was, in fact, a man trying to take a picture of members of a marching band. Oof. And all it did was... Uh, they didn't rehearse a lot, I guess, in the 70s. It was kind of like, let's turn on the camera, what we catch, we yeah. catch. Like, it, was, it was the rise of naturalism. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's true. So when we come back from commercial, we are back at the Contemporary. Mr. Brown is on the phone with his angry manager, and he has an ice pack on his head because he's got a headache because, oh, my God, it's been so stressful with the kids walking through the lobby all wet and Joanne Worley seeing them. Everglades Magazine saw the kids hating each other. (laughs) But my question, again, and maybe I'm looking too far into it, he is in charge of the Disney Mouseketeers. So the person in charge of him it seems to me it would be a Disney executive. I, uh, yeah. Unless There's he's the part of a tour group. He's some, you know, but fun time but tours. Or... He's, talking about, he's talking about getting them to the, to the stage and getting them to the Magic Kingdom and everything. Yeah. And, and he's coming across, you hear it's like Charlie Brown's teacher on the phone. Yes. You hear like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Disney is allowing them to film what would be a Disney executive being this much of a monster? <laughs> and then we like, meet him later. We meet yeah. this guy later, and he's an asshole. Spoiler alert, he's dressed like Boss Hog. True. <laughs> they <laughs> probably tried to get him, but as uh, all Sorrel Disney, book. As all um, Disney executives do, dress like Boss Hog. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, again, something that would never happen now they would never have a disney executive come across as a monster yeah um well then while he's sitting in there i don't know if you noticed my favorite thing in the whole show happened what no I after didn't. he hangs after he hangs up the phone with his boss after yelling at him to get those kids in line um <laughs> hello teenage girl and nothing but a towel oh okay okay no no i was gonna say i thought something else happened i was totally gonna go there too no 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 she's not a teenage girl she's the there are two like the young the kid kid kids of this group who are clearly the babies we have the girl named um nita n-i-t-a she's the one who will later have a super major crisis on her hand and the other baby of the group is this little girl. Her name is Mindy. Yes. And yeah, she comes into the room. <laughs> I put in my notes, please have a bathing suit on underneath that. But I wrote she, down, hello, teen girl and nothing but a towel. <laughs> yeah, because she literally walks in wrapped in a towel, but she's not a teen. She's like, she's got to be 11, wouldn't you say? 10 or 11, yeah. Which is it, technically teen, but she's... She, I, I got, mean, that's barely a tween. That's a, she's a fucking child. Yeah, it was cringeworthy. And you're like, why is she there? Why is she just in a towel and eating an apple? That's yeah. weird. But the better than her eating a banana or something. <laughs> she didn't walk in with a popsicle, for Christ's sake. Thank God. You gave me the Rona. I'm coughing now. Uh, <laughs> 
but it's just simply what what happens is it's the two of them saying wow all the kids are fighting doesn't this suck well and he sort of says to her it's up to us to try and get everybody back together again because you're the youngest of the group and i need to put a lot of emotional burden and responsibility onto you Mm -hmm. i don't know why so next scene is the two of them uh out at breakfast in the park, I wasn't sure on the location. Is this outside the Crystal Palace? No, they are at the Plaza Restaurant on the other side of Main Street. Is that re- okay? I wasn't sure because was Crystal Palace always the Crystal Palace? Mm-hmm. It was okay. To me, it looked like one of those eating areas at the end of Main Street, facing the thing. That's it's just on the wrong side. Okay. Yeah, the Plaza Restaurant's on the other side, and what is now just general seating. Um, used to be part of their dining reservations. You could eat out on the on the mm-hmm. on the landing by uh-huh. the and watch that boat ride go through the the castle moat. Oh yes, was only the swan boats that was only there for about five minutes. <laughs> well. Uh, he was planning to give the kids what for and demand that they start getting along and forgive each other for the horrible transgression of maybe or maybe not accidentally cheerfully laughing, falling slash jumping into the water. Uh, and they're not there. They don't show up. Thank no, he's goodness. talking to an empty table. And you'll also notice again during this scene, something that wouldn't happen now, the editing they left in the background music from Main Street USA. Oh. And it doesn't match up with wow. the editing. So, like, you'll hear, like, in one camera shot, you'll hear Chim Chim Cheri in the background. And then in the next shot, right, like, you, you'll hear you'll a completely hear. different song. And wow. it's, it's jarring to hear. But again, that would not happen because if they're filming now... The background music is gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're in a controlled environment. Yep. Very true. And there are guests sitting around them eating. I know. Who probably did not sign a fucking release. Oh. I will bet you. Um, but thank God Joanne Worley is there showing up. And she decides that she wants to tag along. And so uh, to appease her, Mr. Brown says, you can have an exclusive interview with some of the girls. Yeah, she's going to blackmail him She's gonna, to get the interview. She said, give me an interview or I'm releasing the photos like, oh, that she had taken. I That's how that. she gets the interview. So she <laughs> wants to interview the to, girls. You have to blackmail the manager of the <laughs> Mouseketeers uh, get an interview. Man. So then we pan from the riverboat which is now currently what we call Disney Springs. The Lily Bell. Is that what it's called? The Lily Bell? That's what's named after Walt's wife. Oh, okay. Well, it currently houses paddlefish, correct? Um, I'm not sure. I, I looked it up on a map and yeah. that's what's currently there. Uh, but then we panned from that across the water to what was called the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village. And at some point in 1977, it was changed to the Walt Disney World Village. Since then, it's been called many things, Disney Village Marketplace. Uh, It was just considered uh, part of downtown Disney. And currently, it's called The Marketplace at Disney Springs. Yes. But they are shopping at a store. And, oh, Matthew, 
This is the scene of all scenes. Yeah. This is the one. We have uh, Joanne Worley shopping for clothes with Lisa Welchel, Nita, little Latina girl, and Allison, who is a brown-haired girl similar to Lisa's age who has got some amazing wings in her hair. I got to mm-hmm. give her credit for those wings. Uh, so we set up a thing where Lisa and Allison are mad at each other. And eventually you're like, oh, it's because of that water photograph. Is, are we st- is that still a thing, really? But anyway, uh, Joanne really goes in to try on some clothes. Nita just goes off to be on her own. So we are left with just Lisa and Allison. I'm assuming they're the same age. So let's say they're both 13-year-old girls. And as they are looking at dresses on one of the racks, what happens? Oh, my God. I'm uncomfortable talking about it. It's, well, people, get out your hand sanitizer. You're going to need it. They see a gentleman, I don't know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. An adult. The, an, an adult. A full-on adult. And they see him sitting there, and um, Lisa calls him a fox. Mm-hmm. The other girl says he's a stone cold fox. <laughs> I believe double fox is what oh, is that what it says? Oh. Yeah, she doesn't say stone cold. <laughs> yeah, so but we're not getting that penile yet. They end up walking over to this man and saying, "Hi, do you think I would look good in this dress?" Oh my god! Oh my god! He, he's like. He's an adult. He's like 35 years old. So I hear what you're saying, but we also have to remember that in 1977, <laughs> he could have been 19. I mean. We don't know. Was he, he 19 or was he 35? Yeah. Be that but, as it may. Yeah. It's like they couldn't have found a 16-year-old boy, an attractive teenaged boy who visually obviously would be someone you might imagine could be with one of these girls yeah what the shit it is so uncomfortable and and here's the thing this is the tool by which uh fences are built and uh, bridges are mended or strike that and reverse it because the guy asks you know, she's like, do you like this dress or this one? And he says, who, for her or for you? And to sort of cover their ass, they're like, uh, well, y- you know, for both of us, because we share each other's clothes. Yeah, because we're friends. Yeah, we are friends. So pretending that they're friends to try and fuck their dad is... um. I don't know if they were pretending that they were friends. They were like realizing, oh, we are friends. Like that was their moment of getting along again. Yeah, tomato, tomato, be that as it may. This man is supposed to be the the tool by yeah. which this this rift is now being uh being corrected. And it's just like, okay, where was Leaf Garrett? Where was Donny Osmond? Where was Sean Cassidy? Where was one of the boys from the Mouseketeers? What? <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
and I, and I wrote down, um, never mind the fact that they get, they're doing all of this in front of a reporter. Yeah. Well, so, no, Joanne is, what well, Joanne does come in and eventually join them, right? My not, thing is, like, your story, Joanne, is not whether or not they get along. Your story is that the Mouseketeers are whores. <laughs> they are 13-year-old whores. What is wrong with the person that wrote this? And, and cast this. Again, the director, and the ca- it's like, okay, I know in the script it says a 35-year-old guy, he's dressed in a tennis outfit. He's got the white polo shirt and the white short shorts, and they have some, like, red and blue embellishment that matches. So it's like a tennis-playing uniform. So he looks athletic. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. Yes. But the thing is, why they weren't like, they're 13, why would you not have them lusting after a teenaged boy? So here's <sighs> my question. And this is from an inside question. Here's Go my right question. ahead, Mr. X. Here's my question. We know that when things come to film at Walt Disney World, a lot of times our actor friends will be cast in small roles like that. So it made me wonder... Was this guy, uh, was he the star of the Hoop-dee-doo review yeah, or something? You're and right. One thing I can tell you, Matthew, later after the commercial, when our little friend Nita disappears and they are at the contemporary with the security guard, mm-hmm. I think that was a real Walt Disney World security guard. I wrote down his line. <laughs> <laughs> because the performance he gave was on the level of as great a performance as you could expect from a Walt Disney World security guard. And he could not have represented Walt Disney World security better. <laughs> but we'll get to him. We're getting so far ahead of oh, ourselves. No, sorry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the first five minutes of the show still. Yep. Um, so I tried to find this guy, by the way, as we're talking about who is this guy, he does look a little familiar I can't, his name isn't even the credits. He's, he's uncredited. Well, as, that's what I, that's why I wondered. Uh, yeah. Because I tried to look him up and I tried to see who he um, was. But. but then while he's talking to the girls, uh, you hear, Yoo-hoo! Or, hey, Willoughby! Or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, and this sort of pretty Farrah Fawcett tennis partner. Age-appropriate. Uh, age-appropriate, <laughs> yeah, 40-year-old woman uh, is over and he goes over. He says, oh, uh, Nice talking to you girls. And he's pleasant and just walks away and abandons them and walks over to the woman and awkwardly grabs the back of her head to plant a kiss on her lips before they arm in arm walk away. She has a tennis racket. So clearly they're going to the tennis courts at the Disney Village Marketplace. Is that a thing? No. Was that everything? I just somehow I knew that. Why did I already know that? The the only thing I could think of because I was thinking too hard about it was (laughs) that um, on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, right by there is, was the, um, at the time, the Lake Buena Vista Athletic Club. Oh, true. That's still there. That it was was originally the, um, the Walt Disney World Information Center. Wow. 
Yeah. Huh. Well, anyway. It's within walking distance of the Lake Point of Disney yeah. Village. So I thought that was the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Oh, oh, and the thing we have to point out is when the girls walk over to the guy, this sexy saxophone music starts playing. It's like fucking music. Yeah. <laughs> while they're while they're trying to, you know, again, it's like, what were you playing? What was your end game? Gee, the two of us really like to see what your hotel room is like. <laughs> you want to like- watch us try this dress on? Oh. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. So yeah, so we have this this sexy music, but then later we get the friendship music. After he's gone and they have their realization moment that they're still friends. Nita comes back from nowhere. Joanne comes back from trying on her dress. And uh, from there, we go on to the next scene. Yeah. The Tomorrowland Speedway. At the time, the Grand Prix um, Speedway. Oh, is that the what Grand it was called? Prix, it was called the Grand Prix Raceway. Oh, okay. Um, most recently, it's it's closed now, right? It was closed and being refurbished. No. Why did I? Why was? It, I think a. I think they made the track smaller again because of Tron. It might have been closed because of Tron. Okay. Being built there, but okay. No, I, I, it, I I wrote down it is the most popular boring ride in the park and. I mean, Tomorrowland, when you want to go to a place of the future, yeah, you, you get to experience that magical thing that's coming down the pike someday, cars. Yeah, that only go four miles per hour, and <laughs> a kid is driving it, they, uh, they can't drive it, and yeah. they're not it's driving on a track. it. Yeah, it's on a I track, there's no crashing. why those, and I get, because what, what it used to be then was they would line up four of you, and you would be like, one, two, three. It was a and race, then, yeah. Yeah, the four of you were racing. But now it's just for, for momentum, for efficiency sake, yeah. it's like, you, here, you, here. You, here, go. You, here, go. You, here, go. And it's like, ugh. It's yeah. so, so I especially loved when they were done riding it that they all just stand around in the racetrack in the track, yeah. About 20 minutes. Yeah, it's no other people waiting to get on the ride or anything. Yeah. It's always got an hour-long wait, for God's sake. Yeah, what what ticket was that, a B or a C ticket? Um, that might have been an E ticket, too. Honestly. Really? Back in 77. Holy yeah. shit, that surprises yeah. me. It's To me, it's an odd anomaly, because, like I said, it's like the Tomorrowland, it's race cars, how is that Tomorrowland? If it was, if it was, um, you know, if the facade of the vehicles was to look like floating spaceships, like on the Jetsons or something, uh, maybe, or maybe, I can't believe they never rethemed it to cars. Once Lightning McQueen and Mater hit, why didn't they do that? Because that's technically the future. After our dystopian destruction of the human race, the machines are going to come alive, and that's where uh, Lightning McQueen and company fall. I into. think. Because at the time it was sponsored by Goodyear, and um, it was the at that time it was the Tomorrowland Indy Speedway, so I think that there was a a, a sponsorship through Goodyear and um, the Indiana Five Hundred. Yeah, it takes up a lot of real estate in Tomorrowland. It's, it's gotten smaller over the years. Oh, okay. That's it, 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 back then it was huge, but they it made it smaller to build um, Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. Then they made it smaller to build um, 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 
Mickey's Birthday Land in 88. Mm-hmm. And then they moved, since they moved um, um, the circus world there, they've got the Dumbo the Flying Elephant is there now. Yes. Two of okay. them. So it's smaller because of that, too. Uh-huh. So it's gotten smaller over the years. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, the purpose of this scene is that the boys are racing with Mr. Brown. And uh, he what we basically learn, Mrs. Uh, uh, Joanne Worley magically appears there. She gets around fast <laughs> at the end of it. She's like, you let them win, didn't you? And it's like, yeah, they were so excited that they won and beat him. They're all cheering and happy. And just like Lisa and Allison, they are now friends. Healing continues. Yes. And yeah. Then from there, we go outside the pool at the contemporary again. And this is where the young girl, the African-American girl, her name is Shantae, is sitting out by the pool and uh, someone walks up with a phone, don't they? I, I think she's already just on it. That's like she's right. On a, she's on a, like a corded landline phone that, sitting sure, outside that of the happens. Name. That happens at the Walt Disney World Resort all the time. Yeah. A and corded phone is brought to you at the pool. I'm not saying this right now because of her because i could say it much later as well or much earlier i'm just gonna say it now i would like to know how awful the actors were that didn't get hired (laughs) yes no you're not saying that as a reflection of this girl shantae no this is a reflection of all of them ex with the exception of Lisa Welchel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, True. so it, it, it's like she didn't know where to look. Bless her heart. Anyway, <laughs> not her, not her specifically. Not her specifically. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, she's on the phone. And, and she's, she's on the phone with little little one Mindy, the little girl in a towel who was inappropriately in a room all alone with an adult male mm-hmm. earlier. Um so she is on the phone in bed in her room claiming to be sick. Yeah. And then Kelly, clumsy girl with tennis racket, is practicing tennis and they try to make a funny bit out of the tennis ball machine feeding her the balls too quickly. Gaty. <laughs> I love you so goddamn much. She does end up getting hit in the face a little bit with some balls. Yeah, that does happen, yes. And then uh, Julie also, Julie Pykarski, Facts of Life Julie. um, All of them come into the room. The idea is that little Mindy's illness brings them together and they start to fight. What are you doing here? Well, she's my friend too. Wow, aren't we being stupid? Yeah. Yeah, let's all do it. Now, I do have to point out, talking about acting, talking about (laughs) when the girls are in the room, when Shantae comes into the room, the door is open. Okay. She knocks and walks in and looking her in the eye, little Mindy says, come in. (laughs) Now, granted, Mindy is, from what I've gathered so far, the comic relief. Is she? Because she's she gets in there. I'm sick. Yeah, cookies would be great. Yeah, ice cream would be great. Like, mm. I feel like she's the one that is meant to have been well, the I, 
like I the guess. she was the um who's that the she was the Olsen twins of this oh, show. Oh, as know the baby, I mean? I'll give you that. Okay, like, yeah, the, the punchlines went to her. Yeah, I'll like, give you that. Yeah, none of the punchlines were any good, mm-mm. so she couldn't do anything with them. But yeah. But anyhow, they're like, you know what? We should get back with the other kids. We've been acting like fools. And Kelly's like, yep, let's go. And they're like, what? You were faking. And in my notes, in all caps, who is looking after these kids? This is where I came up with the storyline that we should have get, they should have used where there was a male and female chaperone. The male has an interest in the female chaperone and Joanne Worley is ruining it oh, by showing yeah. up and everything. Like she's just a wacky reporter that keeps every time they get close to kissing, Joanne Worley shows up yeah. in between them. Have her and, be in, in the Skyway bucket when they don't even know she's there to ever just yeah. pop up between them. So how long have the kids been rehearsing for the big concert? Right. They're having yeah. a romantic ride or sit on the park and Joanne Worley comes running through the Rose Garden. I don't know, but it's just... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I agree. Wondered, I wondered who was watching these kids as well. Yikes, yeah. Um, so then we go to posing for a picture in the stocks. That's the wooden things you put your head and your hands through, which are just outside, I believe, Frontierland? They're in between Frontierland and Liberty Square. That's right. So to the left is where you go to uh, Picos Bill to get a bite to eat. To the right is Haunted Mansion and the Harbor House. Great fish and chips. Well, they decide that they're all friends now, but the two boys are out, out in the world and they have no idea that we've all made up. So they're still out there angry with each other. Let's fix it. Let's split up. And yet they all go the same direction. Yeah. It's not cumbersome enough to have 12 kids. Right. To have to lug that many fucking kids around in a theme park, let alone try to figure out how to give them all something to do in a one-hour TV special. Yeah. But the fact that they got 10 of them together all in one place and getting along, and I, they, they keep saying, where are Pop and Todd? Pop and Todd. The one named Billy, his nickname is Pop, P-O-P. Yeah. I don't know why. So it's Pop and Todd who are missing. And so let's split up and look for them. And where are they? Well, we cut to um, Pop excusing himself through a queue area for no reason but to get to the front of the line. Yeah, that would not wash in modern times. Like he's literally walking us and going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, until he gets up to this friend that he's angry with and goes, Oh, you. Well, you're the one that just cut the line to get to me. Exactly. So <laughs> bizarre. It's like if, if, they had, if he was cutting the line to get to him and say, hey, you know, right. I, okay, maybe I might still be mad, but you want to ride in the same car? Yes. And, and at no point do they say, like you said before, at no point do they say, we are riding Space Mountain. Nowhere nope. does it ever say that explicitly. And Space Mountain, like River Country, was the new ride. Yeah, it had just opened the year In before. 75. Two years so before. Okay. It was, but like, so like the view of Space Mountain and everything was cool, but the original ride 
vehicle where you sat with somebody between your legs, David. (laughs) I remember. Ew, David. (laughs) I remember I did it that following February. My sister and I did it. I rode that that Space Mountain. I remember it. So so my question is, if you were a party of three, did they send two in one and one in the other? Or were they like party of one? Let's put a stranger between your legs. Yeah, let's... (laughs) No, but you're right. I did think that. It's like, wow, that is a very close quarters ride vehicle. And people, <laughs> apparently, people had no problem bumping into each other in their Speedos at River Country. So maybe they were like, yeah, I'll sit between this stranger's legs. Yeah, wow. I mean, Just, they were smaller and afforded more room back in the 70s. That's true. Our national epidemic of obesity hadn't quite peaked yet. <laughs> So they, we actually go through Space Mountain. Now it is a true travelogue commercial for the ride. And it's not even video of the Mouseketeers riding no. Space Mountain. It's just a video <laughs> of people. the ride, of a p- point of view of the ride. Why would you film your actors riding the ride <laughs> when we could just have these random assholes? Um, uh, have you ever yeah. ridden Space Mountain with the lights on? I have not frightening it is the most terrifying thing i've ever been i imagine with the tracks visible i oh i can't imagine you're like that track is awfully small and it's awfully close to my head as we make this drop (laughs) yikes i'm not a big coaster person anyway so that's not really my thing yeah so thankfully when the boys come out of space mountain the others are there and they are all reunited so it's like yay we're all back together again and let's get ready, because tomorrow we're going to be camping out at Fort Wilderness. But before they do, Joanne Worley wants to take a romantic ride on, as I said before, the Sky Ride, mm-hmm. which is actually called the Skyway, mm-hmm. which used to run between Tomorrowland and Fantasyland. No longer there. It closed in 1999. Yes. Uh and it shows them riding the Skyway, and he's doing that typical old-school trope thing of a woman is coming on to him, and he's being resistant. Yeah. And, and also, like, it seems like he's afraid of heights. That's true. He's afraid of heights. But her being there and basically presenting to him, that isn't enough to distract him or make him any less nervous about being up there. I got to admit, that was a little scary. I remember doing that as a kid. I hated that ride. I, it's because it's open. You see, it's like you're in a bucket with an umbrella over it. It's yeah. it's scary because you feel exposed. But it was um, it became like an issue with like people pouring their soda. Oh, like society <sighs> changed. Like people would pour their soda on people. People would spit on people. Oh, or, God damn it. Or worse, your baby has to go to the bathroom, so you hang him outside. Oh. Isn't it hilarious? My kid's peeing over yeah. the edge of this. But Hope I don't drop my kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But it, so a lot of things went into the reason that thing closed. Yikes. Um, um, and then with that, we go to commercial break number three. Oh, my God. My favorite commercial of the night. The Litton Microwave commercial? <laughs> <laughs> we're changing the way America cooks. And the reason for that is <laughs> before you could only put one thing into a microwave, but now <laughs> we yeah. put a shelf in it, a metal shelf. 
in this microwave, you can cook asparagus, potatoes, and a side of beef all at the same time. (laughs) Can you imagine what that tasted like when it came out? And microwaves are notoriously uneven in the way they cook. And and in those days, you know, they were even worse. And they didn't have the rotating plate. The big magic thing that this microwave had was a shelf. Yeah, that was the thing. I was watching it with Austin. And Austin said to me, how can they have a metal shelf in a microwave? What is happening? And... It's, it is absolutely possible because the microwaves run from the back wall towards the door. They run straight. They're, the microwaves are straight. They don't bend or turn. So as long as it's out of the path, it won't be a problem. Now, you don't want to crumple up a piece of foil and throw it in there. That would be a no. But, but you yeah. can put a side of beef in there and expect <laughs> it to cook the same amount of time that you're going to cook your asparagus. That thing had to... F- that had to be like a tire when it came out of there. Have <laughs> you ever put meat in a microwave? No. It's, it's like bubble gum, for God's sake. Like literally like hacking into a tire. Meanwhile, your asparagus <laughs> is asparagus mush. And, <laughs> and, and your potatoes, uh, it's like... Probably still frozen in the middle. <laughs> like a hot pocket every bite is a different temperature (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh my god so the next commercial is a coca-cola commercial Mm -hmm. and it's the uh the the campaign at the time was coke ads life i do not remember that campaign at all i remember it vividly again i was nine so it was coke ads life everybody wants a little life coca-cola um in this one it's almost like a mentos ad as in (laughs) it just doesn't make sense it starts with a shot of uh, of a newspaper ad saying tugboat for rent and you see a couple of girls talking to the man who is obviously the skipper slash owner of this tugboat. They both have glass bottles of Coke. Remember glass bottles? Mm-hmm. And they basically, you can see they're making a deal. It's like, okay, good. We're going to do this thing that we just saw in the ad in the paper. And then their friends show up with buckets of paint. Yeah. And they proceed to paint the entire tugboat like a psychedelic acid trip thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it cuts back to the skipper guy and he's just like oh (laughs) those carefree whimsical young people yeah those kids on coke (laughs) (laughs) yeah they even go so far as to paint the girl's name on the back of the of the boat they they paint suanne the, the tires on the side that are, you know, supposed to be the cushion for when it runs into the dot, they paint the tire. It's a black rubber tire. They paint it. And, and the idea is it's just, like I said, it felt like a Mentos ad with a ridiculous thing happening and the bystanders just going, oh, <laughs> isn't <Yeah>. that interesting? <laughs> uh, but yes. And there was only two commercials. That was yes. it. Those two. And then, um, and then from that, we go back to the show. We arrive at Fort Wilderness Campground. Yes. And we do get a sign that tells us that is exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So while the kids are setting up their tents, what is now, the song they sing? 
Well, again, this is a, a thing that I, I always realize as they show Fort Wilderness. <clears throat> People go to Walt Disney World with a tent in the back of their car. Pitch a tent. Oftentimes, you remember tents in the 70s made of screen. Yeah, like yeah. Like it's Mesh. a see-through. Yeah. Like you're not having any privacy. No. You're just in a spending all day in a theme park and then going to lay in a sleeping bag in a tent. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, no. And in the wintertime, it gets cold here. We, our temperature a few nights a year will get below freezing, but there are many nights in the wintertime that are in the 40s and the 50s. You don't fucking want to be staying outside. Or sleeping when it's 105 and humid. In the summer, yes. After you've been in a theme park all day, the only thing I want after I've been in a theme park all day is a shower, and I don't mean a communal one. Yeah. (laughs) I just cannot imagine not going down to a hotel room after your day in the park. I just cannot fathom that. Yeah. But anyway... That's just that's I'm just with you. Mr. I'm, opinion. I believe Oprah Winfrey's best friend Gail King said it best. I'm a room service kind of girl. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, so while the kids are setting up their tents, what are they singing? Which again, they're presenting this to the Almeida family watching in Massachusetts <laughs> that when you check into Fort Wilderness. You are on your own. Like, you got to find a camping spot, and you're like, well, this looks like a good spot to camp. Yeah. Like, like, and then you've got to find whatever driftwood you can find for something to sit on and build your own chimney. And it's like... Pick the spot where you're going to go take a shit. Yeah. yeah. It's like, they're making it almost like they're borderline pioneering it out there when <laughs> let's make it clear fort wilderness has water hookups they've got oh. a, a, a grill sitting there You've yeah got, anyway but it's... that just drove me crazy and again a missed opportunity for a production number while they're setting up the set while they're setting up their tents they're doing whistle while you work but it's a voiceover and a missed opportunity. That's when you have the like them beating in the stakes to the rhythm of the music and singing to each other. Whistle mm-hmm. while you work. And then they're putting the tent. It just drove me nuts that they were just like raking the sand. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at one point it cuts to the boys on the, like there's, it cuts to a petting zoo, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there a petting zoo or was there ever a there, petting zoo at Fort there Wilderness? Is. There is. Is there still? I don't know that it's still there, but I, I had it's been no there. Idea. And it was there a year ago, at least. It oh might my have god! Because Tricircle D Ranch is up there. That's where they keep the horses from the Magic Kingdom and the little white horses that pull Cinderella's chair. They all live up there, and you can go pet them and okay. see them. <laughs> wow! Thank you, Mister X, for all of this insider information. You're but uh, yeah, so but it's like some of the cutaways just to have something to show yeah. on the screen to fill the space is them at the petting zoo, petting yeah. animals. It's like, <laughs> that's not whistling while you work. That's whistling while you're doing fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. You're not helping. And there are 12 of you. You could get this done in five minutes. We've, we've got, we're going to do the song, but we need to fill time in it. Fill it with a production number. 
Yeah. They're the Mouseketeers. That's what they're famous for is production numbers. Is, is singing and dancing. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But in the, course of, in the course of setting up the tents, uh, they ask little Nita, who doesn't have anything to do, to tie off the tents. So she goes through some trees, comes out the other side of trees, yeah. and ties both of the tents off to the fender of a fucking RV yeah. parked on the other side. She is told to attach them to something sturdy, so she walks by all these huge trees through trees. a forest yeah. and decides this is the place I'm going to do it. On a moving vehicle's uh, yeah. fender, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the thing, right? It's, or is it the bumper? What am I talking about? The fender, it, you're right. It's the bumper. It's the bumper. Um, I'm a gay. <laughs> but yeah, and, little Nita does that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, Mr. Harrison shows up. This is the boss of Mr. Brown that we heard wah, wah, wah yelling on the phone earlier. Yeah. He shows up at night as they're getting ready for bed, sitting by a campfire mm-hmm. in a three-piece suit. Yeah, boss hog. Like you said, a boss hog three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, all white. Yeah, and his big thing is, make sure they're at Cinderella's castle tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, do they want to rehearse too? Or is there a rehearsal hall reserved for them to no. win? Or is there a, a, a rehearsal for them to know what is on the stage and uh, spacing? And never mind. No, and we'll find out that No. <laughs> to answer <laughs> all of your questions <laughs> later on you will discover that nope there was no rehearsal yep. but then we dissolve to kind of a lovely little thing where our close personal friend lisa welchel shows yet another dimension of her immense talent yeah she plays the guitar and i think she's really playing or you know properly fingering the chords as though she is playing even though it's a pre-recorded soundtrack and she sings a song called Turn Over a New Leaf. Is that from something? No. That's an original song written for this. I believe, yeah. Oof. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was from, you know, Mr. Boogity's. You didn't know if it was on Candle Shoe. Candle. <laughs> it's like. But Lisa plays the guitar and sings. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Another huge difference between then and now, zero filtering on anybody's voices. Oh, no. She, one might argue she, she could have used some auto-tune, but I would venture to guess she probably could have used a second take. Yeah. Because I don't imagine she would have gotten more than one. No. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it's fine. It's lovely. Again, she's 13. She's yep. there playing guitar and she's as good an actress as she's, uh, showing herself to be. So then it's time to go to bed. Off go the kids. They go into the tents. And then we hear the engine start. Presumably to the RV on the other side of the trees. It drives away. It pulls the tents with it. And the kids proceed to lose their fucking shit. Yeah. When Nita admits that she tied them off to yeah. this RV. There was no bottom to the tents either. They were just going to sleep on the ground. <laughs> I mean. And why did that rope, every other rope on the tent was attached to a stake that they put in the ground. Why did that one rope 
have to go be attached. Maybe I don't know anything about because can, it was it was hanging thing. on like a U shaped pipe. It was like there was already a built in structure. Yeah, that support that was the main support. It was like this U shaped structure was the center of the A. The, the top point yeah. of the letter A, and the stakes were the things that pulled the sides outward to create the the horizontal yeah. space. But anyway, that it's that's just par for the course for this. But yeah. the kids proceed to yell at Nita, and yeah. they say they call her idiot, stupid, <laughs> and Mr. Brown is standing right there. Yeah. And his solution is, oh, well, kids, we're, we'll just find another place over there to go. Not stop yelling at her. It was an honest mistake. Jesus Christ. Or, I mean, as the adult, I told her to attach them to something. This is, be mad at me, you know? Yeah, it was clearly I didn't give her clear enough instructions. It's fine. But they fine. do make um, her cry. Little need a cry. The last word as they all walk away is Shantae looks at her and says, you ruined our camping trip. And the final image before we go to commercial is what feels like five solid minutes. <laughs> Explain it. Of, of little Nita, Nita quote unquote, crying. Like just, ugly, uh, I, I, I don't want to say ugly crying because I don't want to call a little kid ugly, but... No, no, I don't you're referring to I, the crying as the, the ugly yeah. cry. Yeah, she is just full-on sobbing, face contorted, tears running down her cheeks. Were there tears running down her cheeks? Oh, yeah. Because I saw wetness around her eyes, but I didn't see any tears. Oh, okay, you... <laughs> I, I might have been making a little bit of a logistical leap there that might have been giving them too much credit. Again, um, I would like to see the actors that did not get hired. And I may need to repeat that again uh, later. Yeah, exactly. These were the ones. And here's the deal. Sometimes you don't get quite the acting chops that you wish you had when you've got really strong singer-dancers. So when we finally get to the finale where we see them pulling out all the stops and, and in the, the, there is a dance number coming up before then too. And that's when you're like, oh, well, okay, that's, that's not why. Yeah, to get yeah. on this show. And I think we will, let's, let's, be, let's be nice people for a moment. Let's step out of character here, Matt, uh, Mr. X. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's say, the other thing is in 1977, we didn't have the toddlers and tiaras culture that we have now where kids are trained to be triple threat performers from the time they're four years old. Like I believe the level of talent of kids, you find a lot more of it out there now because there are so many parents obsessed with making their kids stars and getting into show business. I don't think, that there was as much of a plethora of triple threats around at the time. Would you agree? I don't know that I'd agree, but (laughs) I hear you and your feelings are valid. Um, So, uh, so on this image, this close-up image of a 
sobbing child. Mm-hmm. We go to commercial break number four. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what the commercials were? Um, I've got cake from scratch. No, mom, it's from a box. No, this is cake from scratch. No, mom, it's from a box. Cake from scratch. Shut up, old woman. Get out of my kitchen. How many times do I have to tell you this fucking cake came out of a box? I'm a lazy bitch and I can't cook. (laughs) Accept me as I am, mom. And why would I lie? <laughs> like she must tell her 15 times in this 30 second commercial that she got it out of a box and mom's like nope it's too good for a Ex- box exactly you would lie the other way it's like mm, this cake's Uh-oh. interesting yeah i made it from scratch yeah. and uh yeah the cake is pillsbury plus the plus is there's pudding in the mix yes and i do love the the slogan at the end of the commercial scratch has met its match mm-hmm that's a great slogan. I wish they still used it today. Do you remember what the next one? Shell's Foul Weather Driving Book. E- yes. The Shell Answer Man from Shell, the oil company and the gas station. And I want you to try to say that five times fast. Shell's Foul Weather, <laughs> weather <laughs> Driving Book. Shell's, Shell's Foul, foul Weather Dri- Driving Book. Shell's Foul Weather Driving Book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> and it's literally like... It's like uh, Dwight Schrute saying to you, if you're in a snowstorm and your car stops, yeah. don't leave the engine on for more than 10 minutes or you'll asphyxiate yourself. Be sure to keep warm. Stretch your legs out. It's like, it's all of these. I mean, they're helpful hints. I have to admit, this stuff there, I was like, oh, that's yeah. good to know if I ever drive in snow again, which I won't. But he is very no nonsense about giving you this information. Crack your window. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay. But the whole thing is, you know, come to Shell for answers is the slogan. And the idea is it's, you know, we're more than a gas station. We care about you. (laughs) And yet he does leave the car there without actually helping the person that is inside. (laughs) To drive through the paper thing that was always the, yeah. And then the last one is a coming attraction for a new Disney uh, a, a new Disney animal film that's going to be coming up on a future episode of The Wonderful World of Disney. And what's the title of this upcoming event? Run, Cougar, Run. <laughs> and I almost wanted to look it up and see if I could find it because it says, it starts off, it shows a picture of a little cougar kitty cat. And it says, she's the last of her kind. Bang! You hear a gunshot. And it's like, well, gee, uh, so much. Are we, wait, what? Are we <laughs> shooting her? She's, you just said she's going extinct. Jesus. <laughs> the shortest movie ever. <laughs> God. Do we learn nothing from Bambi? <laughs> but yeah, it was film and animal. action nature, like a, a spin off, like a. Disney Nature is that's that's yeah. kind of a division of the company these days, mm-hmm. isn't it? Disney Nature. Yeah. So yeah, it's the sort of predecessor to all that. But yeah, it's a you know film stock of animals in the wild, and they create a narrative, and they use some trained animals also to do it. But when the final in the title, "Run Cougar Run," all I can think <laughs> of is, "There's the last man under twenty-five in your neighborhood whose girlfriend just broke up with him. He wants to mow your lawn." Oh. Starring Jesse Metcalf. (laughs) 
So, uh, yes. This is why the company was in the dumper because of things like run cougar run. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. It was, uh, okay. But we come back from commercial. We are back at the contemporary. I think we're, I think we're a third of the way through of this right oh now. Oh my God. No, I'm, I'm fucking kidding. We, no, we we're almost to the end. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. So we're back at the contemporary. Nita is missing. All 11 kids are sitting around on one couch and mm-hmm. one armchair. Mm-hmm. And this is where the security guard is up there. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't write down the line. What did the, the, the security guard say? <clears throat> I'm going to say it. And it's going to sound, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it sound like you have actually, I'm going to make this sound like you have actually pulled audio from the show. It's going to be like we're there. Mm-hmm. We got a team of rangers searching the wilderness area right now. It's 7,500 acres of swamp out there. And then he walks out of frame. And he walks away. <laughs> Polish off the oh Emmy Awards, ladies and gentlemen. And what I loved was, because clearly he was a security guard, so he's probably a grandpa. And oh, like, God, yeah. He was um, probably the star of security back. Like, they probably, yeah. like, he probably, they probably watched it at his house. His neighbors came over. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh, I saw you on Wonderful World of Disney. That's pretty Herbert's cool going to be on the television. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, so, I mean, bless. It was At least it was the one line and not two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the kids are like, we all need to go look for her. And he's like, no, you've got a show to do. Go to your rooms and get some rest. Oh, are you a tour manager now? Now do you give a shit about the performance? Which we find out is literally that night. Mm-hmm. But Lisa, Lisa rallies the troops oh. and I fucking believe her. When she says, Mr. Brown, we're not going to sit around and do nothing. We are going to find her. Mm -hmm. And she's awesome. Lisa Welchel is such a standout. God bless her. So then, where is Nita? We we don't know where Nita is. Where does it show Nita to be, Matthew? (laughs) For some reason, alone in the Magic Kingdom. Walking around Fantasyland, I believe, Completely just outside of It's alone. a Small World, correct? Yes. Um, no, she is over by. She's right behind the castle. She's by um, Cinderella's fountain. Oh, okay. By which Cinderella's is outside fountain. what used to be Tinkerbell's treasures. Okay. <clears throat> so well, she's literally right behind the castle when she decides this is as good a place as any to take a nap. Yeah. Let's. Pfft. Yeah. Now she's alone in an empty theme park. There are literally no other people there. Mm-mm. So you're like, did she sneak in after hours? Uh, was there a bomb threat? What is yeah. going she's, on? She's carrying her poo around with her. Her poo bear. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> but yes. So she has her Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal. And so, yeah, she sits down. And falls asleep. All that mm-hmm. crying is exhausting. Yeah. I know. And then we go into a dream sequence where Julie Pikarski reads her from the Winnie the Pooh book, but it's a song. And what is the song called? The song is called The Pooh Polka. <laughs> David. And there was a there was a party weekend on Fire Island back in the nineties. I think was called the Poo Polka. 
Yeah, it yeah. later it later got moved to just a one day. It was a, it became Splatter Saturday. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but what I wrote down was um, she decides to take a nap and she's going to dream about the good old days when Sue Ann from Facts of Life would slip her some ecstasy and read her favorite book to her. <laughs> because this scene, her eyes... Uh. She looks like she is tripping balls. <laughs> Her eyes are so big. <laughs> and she is so happy to be getting read to. She's pointing oh to stuff in the book God. and nodding. Yeah. She's, uh, she's overplaying the physicality of it because it's silent. She's kind of in a silent movie suddenly. But then, uh, who shows up? And it's the character of Winnie the Pooh that has the honey on his head, the pot of honey on his head. Mm -hmm. And then all the other kids show up in lederhosen and German beer garden skirts. And they dance and sing a choreographed production number called the Pooh Polka. And they do polka. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, they're, they're not bad. It looks like this, maybe some thought went it into this. It looks like they ran through it once. <laughs> like some of the boys are clearly more fabulous than others I, yeah. I noticed that mm -hmm. as far as their dancing skills um, also by the way this is the Winnie the Pooh that has no use of his hands oh that's right but he does have the working snout his, his mouth does open and close which is nice Yeah. Um, now I do have to point out another one of those inappropriate for the time for, for now the girls are in uh, like a forest green print fabric on their German beer garden dresses. The boys are in browns and earth tones. One of the boys is in like short shorts that are clearly cutting into his balls. And another one has got shorts down below his knee. So the, the design of these is, uh, you know, uh, non-uniform. The girls' dresses are uniform. And at one point in the choreography, uh, three or four of them are in the front row spinning around. And underneath all of these forest greens and earth tones, they have bright blood red leotards on mm -hmm. that we can clearly see because they're in skirts spinning around and the skirts come up. And the camera angle is from the ground up. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it is, it's looking up at them. The camera angle is indeed looking up at them. It's, yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's just one of those things of, like, number one, ew, these girls are like, like, Lisa Welch was one of the older kids there. She's 13. Yeah. And of all of them, it's like, why wouldn't you have given them some type of bloomers or something that was less revealing? And at the very least... Why not make them forest green to match the dresses so you get a sense of it being with the costume? What the shit? Where was Diana Eden? I know, Diana. So our fantasy dream sequence production number ends. And in real life, uh, Winnie the Pooh comes up and awakens her. She awakens to Winnie the Pooh being there. Yeah. And then she looks over and sees the other kids looking for her. So what does she do? She runs the other way. She bolts. And then when the kids come over looking for her, Pooh deliberately sends them in another direction. Pooh is yeah. covering for his girl. 
after about 20 seconds of awkward, silent interaction between the kids and Pooh. Oh, oh. Like, they so don't even say, like, hey, have you seen Nina? Hey, Pooh, how are you? They, it, it's just them hmm. it's weirdly. Um, but, but then my favorite scene happens in one of the whole things. The this chase? becomes a Charlie's Angels chase scene. <laughs> complete with james bond music and it's like maga yes she runs off and suddenly we get this it is so amazing it is 70s tastic it is the soundtrack to my childhood she gets on a boat (laughs) like one of those uh, little personal speedboats and takes off yeah, but before that, she takes the Skyway. Because, you know, when you want to get away, oh, yeah. she takes the Skyway. And then yeah. we see a couple of the girls on the Main Street trolley, another thing we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And then we see them looking around. They don't find it. But, yeah. Um, um, and, and, and before the boat, also, Mr. Harrison is talking to Mr. Brown, and he is mad. And he says, they're in the hotel room. <laughs> he says, if you don't have those kids on stage in 10 minutes... You can turn in your clipboard. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm in the contemporary years. I don't know if I can get to the lobby in you 10 cannot. minutes. You cannot. Okay, I'm not crazy then. <laughs> no. No. What the fuck? No. <laughs> so, and, and they're like all out and dispersed. And that's the weird thing is like, okay. We, let's children let's have a little lesson about being a professional entertainer a professional shows up on time there is a sense of girl if you are mad at your friends or if they treated you like dog shit no matter how justified you are if that's an 8 p.m performance on the castle main stage bitch you will be there at your 7 p.m call yep <laughs> just saying Especially since you are a mouseketeer at Walt Disney World. <laughs> anyway. Then, then this is where the motorboat comes. I'm sorry. I'm being so fucking microscopic. <laughs> then she gets in the motorboat and runs up. Now, where the fuck? Help me track where she is and where she okay. goes. All right. Where does, does the motorboat start at the contemporary and go to river country? It either starts. I feel like, yeah, it started at, I feel like, from the background, she started the Polynesian. Oh, um, just because right. they definitely show her taken off like, like a bat out of hell. Yeah, across. and you can still rent. Uh, you can still rent yeah. uh, little individual speedboats at yeah. the Polynesian Resort to this day. They're called the Sun Racers. Yes, um, but um, she boats herself over to Discovery Island. Where is that she, where it is? Where she just beaches the boat. Like, she just, like, there's no dock or anything. No. And for some reason, Discovery Island is abandoned. That's where she picks up the parrots and everything. Yeah. She um, just interacts with some birds like, hey, hey, uh, how you doing? That's cool. Running from my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because while she's on the run, she still has time to enjoy the wildlife at Discovery Island. <laughs> As shouldn't everybody. Yeah. Enjoying well, the Walt Disney World Resort. Again, it's, go oh look God. for videos of abandoned Discovery Island. <laughs> Those birds are still there. Mm, uh, closed. Yes. Um, 
So, but my thing is, and then she gets back in the boat and then mm-hmm. runs, runs back off into the water. And again, I'm like, where is she going? And then why doesn't reason, she? She's back at the Disney village. Cause that's when they show um, the, the paddle boat again, or they show something that I met. Cause I wrote for some reason, shot of, shot of the steamboat from Disney village. Yeah, you're right. It was there. That was, that was very weird. And, um, uh, so my thing is like, they were looking, it wasn't like, oh, I see those guys and I don't want to be near them. I don't like them. They were mean to me. But when she looked over back with, with Winnie the Pooh, they were going, Nita, Nita. They were literally looking for her. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to run randomly. Nyeh, nyeh. But it's like, wh- where are you going? And what did you think? Like, y- you're going to have to fly home with them, you know. You can't. <laughs> You can't run forever, Nita. You're going to have to stop running someday. I'm like, girl, bye. <laughs> I, I got a show to do, Nita. Yeah, I'm, I'm at my call for the show I never rehearsed for to give a grand performance on the castle stage to some catatonic children, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad you said that about the riverboat was there and it was like, that doesn't really track, does it? Because that's... No. Not in the same way. No. I'm glad that I'm not crazy. Um, so then somehow she ends up at a sign somewhere where it's the picture of the cast and it says, Mouseketeers performing 8 p.m. on the castle stage. And she's staring and you can see in her reflection in the glass, she's still crying. The running didn't make her feel better. Mm-mm. And I would like to know where that sign was too, because in the reflection you can see she's on Main Street. Yeah, so I, I, don't know I gathered it was it was at the Magic Kingdom too. So somehow she took her speedboat and sped up to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just got out and walked in. Um, so Joanne Worley finds her, and then mm-hmm. she says to her, "They were trying to tell you they're sorry." It's just about time for the show at the castle and they won't do it without you. Okay, cool. Bye. Yeah. She says they think I'm stupid and dumb and Joanne Worley does not tell her she's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) She just says, well, people say things when they're mad. (laughs) (laughs) They said I was stupid and dumb. Oh, I'm sure they're very sorry that they said that to you. Yeah. Oh, they still think that. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, not that. That's not what they're sorry. They're it's sorry just... they can't find you. To... TikTok, bitch. Yeah. All saved with the two-second talk with Joanne Worley. And now it's showtime yeah. on the Castle Forecourt stage for and, kids um, that have probably been, I don't know, given Benadryl. Yeah. Performed it's by like... kids on Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's showtime, and literally, that's the name of the song that we get, that they sing all peppy and choreography. Can you well, describe Is that a strong word? Choreography is a strong word. Uh, moving in a direction? <laughs> they, there are c- clips of them bumping into each other <laughs> as they're moving. It's true. Like, you... <laughs> and i get like maybe you only had one shot to do it because you're on the castle forecourt stage i get it Mm -hmm. but 
it's clearly at night. Mm. And so I'm sure they film this at 2 a.m. with the with I hope, or maybe like, not. Maybe they filmed it at 8 p.m. <laughs> right live maybe, as they did the, it. Who were the people watching? Could that just been people watching a fireworks display or something or another castle show at night? Now I, now I kind of want to go back and see if they ever showed the audience at the same time that they show the Mouseketeers performing. I, I feel like they do. I feel like we see the back of an audience, I think. All right. I did, I did wonder that myself. I was like, did they even shoot this with, you know, because it's all pre-recorded. They're not singing live. It's absolutely like everything else pre-recorded. Now the outfits. How do we describe these outfits? Uh, well, Nina's not wearing one. No, that's so totally okay. I mean, she has clothes on, dear <laughs> listeners. But not that she... that would have surprised us either. No, at this point. <laughs> but but she... They are all in high-waisted fuchsia pants. Oh, God. Rainbow suspenders. Mm. And multicolor panel shirts that vary from kid to kid. So the colors are not the same. They're all over the place. And the front of them, uh, they've got the big wide collars, the big long, long like, collars with a zipper down the front. They're not a button-up shirt. They're a zip-up shirt. And, oh, my God. They're 77-tastic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the costumes. I, 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 I wasn't mad at the costumes. I mean, they're ridiculous, but, but it's 1979. Yeah, and they're, they're kids, and it's Disney. It's supposed to be bright, you know, blip, blip for, for younger audience members. But we do get cuts, uh, cutaways of the audience, and some of the kids are just like, oh. <laughs> uh... There's there's one child with glasses on. <laughs> Bless his heart. I thought if I didn't know Matthew was significantly too young to have been there. How dare you? <laughs> but, but they also uh, do a good job about diversifying the audience watching too. Mm-hmm. They True, show yes, they're Chinese, they show Asian kids, they show um, some black kids, they show white kids. Yeah. No, that's very yeah. true. Then they move on to the final song, which is called Aptly friends but not Bette Midler's friends a shitty awful song called friends and one of the things in the choreography is we see they they kind of break off again there are 12 of them yeah holy fuck and there and there are cubes on stage too aren't there like are they dancing around some cubes and giving levels and shit yeah well one of the choreo one of the, I'm um, putting air quotes, choreograph moments is there are two groups, five and five, and the babies are in the front. So we mm-hmm. have uh, Mindy uh, on one side and Nita on the other. And so the last images are of them doing kind of a Brady Bunch sway and back and forth. And it comes in close on Nita's face and them all putting their hands on her shoulder. And she is just, she's clearly accepted happy and no longer traumatized from her entire work family turning on her. And yet at the same time, the only thing I believed through this whole show was that she was actually missing until 7.59 because obviously they didn't have time to fucking run a brush through her hair. Her hair's a mess. 
no, it's She true. looks like she just walked on stage from spending a day in a theme park. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the theme park. And she crying. doesn't yeah. know where to look. She's awkwardly looking around. And I go back to the commentary from the Goonies on, well, on the DVD. The actors all said their big direction was big eyes. Oh. So now when you watch Goonies, every scene, they're all like awkwardly big eyes. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this. Like they're these big eyes that it's like, why do everything is unnatural about what's happening on that stage. There's yeah. nothing natural about it. Least of all, Nita. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty Bless bad. Her heart. Bless her heart. Bless all of their hearts. Mm. Uh, but thank God, before we roll the credits, Matthew, we have one more commercial break. <laughs> one more commercial break. We have the Reach toothbrush. Yes. That was literally the very first time they said, why are all toothbrushes straight? And why are all the bristles at the same level? Why don't we kind of try to innovate yeah. this that it might clean our teeth better? Um, and so there's that. I remember that commercial vividly. Then, of course, we have... The new V8 diesel pickup from Chevrolet. Yeah. It's a guy at a gas station going to the diesel pump. And they're like, that's... Somebody comes out and says, that's the the diesel pump. And the guy gets out of his truck and says, I know, this is a diesel truck. And I have a very small penis. (laughs) (laughs) But it did make me remember when you had to look if you're putting leaded or regular or unleaded yeah unleaded in your car yeah regular unleaded versus leaded yeah regular yeah that's a thing when we were kids at least when i was a kid yeah and then the last commercial before they roll credits is for a future installment of the wonderful world of disney the incomparable cinematic masterpiece the adventures of bullwhip griffin which is, I, when I saw, I thought, well, I should bring up a, a lawsuit because I used to dance under that name. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us who was in the movie. I need to look it up and see if Roddy McDowell is indeed Bullwhip Griffin. Uh-huh. <laughs> because that alone might make me want to watch it. Watching that old queen... Run around, the, run around in a cowboy movie with Suzanne Plachette, the yes, wonderful, the wonderful, and some guy that I recognized from Disney stuff that looks like um, an audio animatronic from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, he does. He was the one having the fight with Roddy at the end, and Carl Malden is also in it. Yeah, yes, but yeah, Roddy McDowell does play Eric Bullwhip Griffin. So Roddy McDowell is the lead of this film. And ladies and gentlemen, it is on Disney Plus. It is oh, there God. for the taking. I cannot fucking wait to watch it because it's gonna be awful. Is Run Cougar Run available? It is not. I did check. Poop. And Bullwhip Griffin, by the way, from 1967. So this is pre-Planet of the Apes, Roddy McDowell. This is when he's just... Oh, oh, he's young and handsome. That kid from Lassie grew up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is when he was dating Tab Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) But they were sending him out with Mamie Van Doren, because that looked natural. Yep. 
<laughs> and, and Elizabeth Taylor. That's right. Well, they were they were friends. She was his hag. Come on, mm-hmm. she she was his flame dame his entire life, her entire life. Oh my God, wow. David! Two and a half hours. I think we did it again. Another classic episode. Jesus of Christ! Talkaholics. Um, Mr. X, if you would please tell Matthew that I cannot wait for him to return to the show next month. And I really do appreciate your input. And thank you for letting me have you on as our very, very special guest. We thank all of you for being supporters of the show. I so greatly appreciate it. Stay tuned as always every month. And we will be back for September with We Don't Know What. Well, you'll be back. I won't be. What? Of course, Mr. X will not be with us. Um, But uh, Matthew Arter will be back. And uh, I look forward to having him back because mm. he's he's really, really a wonderful uh, component to this show. So thank you so much again for tuning in. See you later and uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.